Well, turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4, we're continuing our study of the book of Revelation. It's that special book. It's the final book in the Bible, the final revelation. Jesus Christ that appeared to John on the island of Patmos and has given to him the revelation dealing with the end time events. And as we said this morning, we're going to take a trip to heaven. You know, people always say, I wonder what heaven's like. Well, we're going to see. We're going to heaven. We're going to see the throne. We'll see God on his throne. We hear about Jesus Christ, the line out of the tribe of Judah. So what we see is really beyond our understanding. And we're calling it uh, the throne in heaven. So there's so much there. Well, as we start, you ever have you ever called somebody an angel? You're like, oh, you're just the cutest angel. Or a little cute. Now they're the sweetest little angels you've ever seen. When we think about angel, that's sort of what we think about. But I want you to understand that... Um, they're not that cute, okay? And so uh, angels, if you, there's two things we want to understand. Angels in the Bible are always referred to in the masculine gender, always. They're not, they're not people, but they're always used in the masculine gender. And they're not cute. They're not rosy little cherubs. A cherub or a cherubim, we're going to see what they look like. They're different. And this morning, we're going to see four angels around the throne of God. And the description, they've got eyes everywhere. They have six wings. They have faces of a lion, a bull, a man, and a bird. And so we're going to see these powerful beings. And we're going to see who's around the throne and who's on the throne and what's in front of the throne and how all that ties together. And they're all there giving praise and honor and glory to our God and Savior. We see the angels. And so as we look, let, let me just give you an idea. We're, we're continuing now that we've moved out of the, the part about the churches, about the letters to the churches. We're going back to the outline, which is based on Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. The things that were, the things that are, and the things that will be. If you remember, this is the handout we had for you that we started. There was an introduction. And then he says, I want you to write the things you have seen. That was the vision of Jesus Christ. Write the things that are. That is the seven letters to the seven churches. And then write about the things that will take place. That's beginning in chapter 4. We go to heaven, and then we see the seal judgment, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments, the judgment of Babylon, the seven last things, all of those things. So that's the book that we're going to see. And, and so it, we're really moving a little forward into this thing. Chapters 4 and 5 are actually... Uh, go up to heaven. That's, that's basically what's going to happen. We see the throne of God, how it fits together. Let me just break this down for you. The rest of the book is going to be chapters 4 and 5 is the throne in heaven. Chapters 6 through 19, almost the whole book, is going to deal with the tribulation time period. We'll get more information as we get a little further into it. Why, why is it called tribulation? Why is it seven years? How does it fit together? Who's going to be there? What, what about these 144,000 Jews or these two witnesses or this man called the man of sin and there's a false prophet? and he claims to be God and, and the mark of the beast and all those things you've heard about. We're going to get those in chapter 6 through 19. Chapter 20 is actually the millennial. It's the thousand-year reign, the millennium kingdom, uh, the millennial kingdom, the millennium time, which means a thousand. And that's the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. And then chapters 21 and 22 of the eternal state. And people always say, you know, uh, what's it, what's it going to be like? We're well, actually going to get an idea of what will eternity be like. What will it look? What this new Jerusalem and this uh, uh, the new heavens and the new earth and all of those things. And so we're, we're going to see all that. Uh, the seven churches. Uh, I just want, let me remind you of something. Uh, we've talked about this a lot of times. Jesus, this is the first coming of Christ to the earth. This is the second coming of Christ to the earth. Jesus came the first time, born in Bethlehem. Uh, age 30, began his ministry, died on the cross to pay for sin, rose again to conquer death, walked on the earth 50 day, 40 days, and then ascended into heaven. Ten days after that, on the 50th day on Pentecost, was the church. And that's where we are now. And we've been in the church age. There is no time. 
that God doesn't give us a time for the church age. I want you, I'm going to give you more information in the next couple of weeks. God does give time for the nation of Israel. They knew exactly how many years they had to do their thing. And that, that tribulation time period, that's their final seven years. We'll talk more about it uh, in the next couple of weeks. But one of these days, Jesus is going to come, and he could come at any second. He could come, and when he comes, he's going to come quickly. He's going to come in a moment, a twinkle of an eye will be gone. That's called the rapture. The Greek word is harpazo, which means to snatch away. We'll be gone. And then there's that time period, which is the seven-year tribulation, which is most of the book of Revelation. And then Jesus comes back, sets up the kingdom, rules for a thousand years. Then there's a judgment called the great white throne judgment. That basically, best we can tell, that's for unbelievers. Believers go through what we call the judgment seat of Christ. That's for the church. We'll talk more about that at a different time. And then we go into eternity. So that's the flow. That's the flow of the Bible. That's the flow of the book of Revelation. And it's important to know that because a lot of people, when you when you start looking at the book or when you start, if people have heard all kinds of things about the book of Revelation, questions like, will anybody be saved during the seven-year tribulation. Let me just give you some great news. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people will be saved during the tribulation. Now, we're going to be all gone off the face of the earth, and when the tribulation begins, after the rapture, there's no believers, but there's going to be huge numbers of people believe in Christ during that seven years. So we'll talk more about that as we go by. Well, there's a lot of things going on. This morning, God is sitting on the throne and being worshiped. That's the Father. There are 24 elders, four angels, all giving praise, honor, and worship to God. So what, what is going on? What is this? And by the way, that's the goal of all of us. And by the way, did you notice those songs this morning? They all fit the scripture. They fit what we read this morning about praise and honor and glory and worship. Because as we read those passages earlier, when we read chapter 4 and part of chapter 5, that's what it says. You get all honor and glory and power. And the songs we sang this morning say the same thing. One of these days, you'll be around the throne of our great God, and you'll be saying those words, and you'll be singing those words. All of us who know Christ, one day we're going to be there saying, Lord, we worship you. You get all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. You're worthy of everything. And we'll see that. And so as we move at chapter 4 and then part of chapter 5, in fact, we'll, get, we'll just start chapter 5 and then we'll get more details next time. Let me give you the outline. Uh, this morning, uh, chapter 4, John's taken to heaven. He gets the description of the throne. We see all that, and they worship God on the throne, and that's what we see. Then in chapter 5, I just put the first five verses. There's a book. It says a book, but it's a scroll, and it's got seven seals on it. I've got some pictures to show you sort of what a scroll would look like with the seals, and nobody's worthy to open it. And, and John is, we saw it already. John cries. He says, why, why somebody's got to open this thing? And it says, wait a minute, the line out of the tribe of Judah, that's Jesus. He's worthy to open it. So we'll see all of that as we, as we go through this. So let's start with Revelation chapter 4, and we're getting ready. We're going, we're going to heaven. So look at chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. He says, now, if you look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1, after these things I looked, and after the what things? The, the writing of the seven letters and getting them out to the churches and all that. He says, after these things I looked, and I, I looked up, and it looked like, it looked like an opening. 
It looked like a door. It was an open in heaven. And then I heard this voice. It was like the sound of a trumpet, which the, the voice I heard first. If you go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, when John has his back, he hears this voice like a trumpet. And when he turns around, that's when he sees Jesus. Well, he hears this voice again. It's the same voice. I heard the voice like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me. And he said, come up here. I will show you what must take place after these things. He says, come up here. When we think about the world, when we think about everything, there's, uh, the, that's the voice of Jesus. He's speaking. We, there's three things. There's heaven, earth, and under the earth. And literally most of the times, almost every time you see it, that it, it's heavenlies. It's, heaven is usually plural. I'll talk more about it in just a second. But there are three big ears. There's the heaven, the earth, and under the earth. The heaven is where God and angels are. Earth is where we dwell. Under the earth is where the dead dwell. People who have died who are not believers in Jesus Christ are in a place called Sheol or Hades. That's under the earth. So we'll see more about that. And so we're going we're gonna, to, he says, come up into the heavens. By the way, there are three heavens in the scripture. Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven and he saw things that he couldn't even talk about. I think he saw this. I think God let John write it down, but he didn't let Paul write it down. Paul says, I, I saw things that nobody else can see. And uh, man, it was, it was beyond what I could imagine. There are three heavens. There's the atmosphere, which is what we breathe. There's the, where the sun, the moon, the universe is. And then there's the dwelling place of God. We know that the angels most likely dwell in the second heavens with the sun, moon, universe, and all those kind of things. But they also have access to where God is, where the throne is. In fact, we're going to see in just a minute what, what is going on. What, what does John see in heaven? And so notice he says at the end of verse 1, come, come up here. I will show you what must take place after these things. And so he's going to give him the future events. In chapter 4 and 5 are the sort of the preview. And then chapter 6 through 19 is the tribulation. A lot of people say symbolically when John is all of a sudden taken off the earth to go to heaven, it's a picture of the rapture because we're going to be picked up and take off the face of the earth, chapters 4 and 5, so to speak, and then chapter 6 begins the tribulation. And we know that all those who are believers, we will not have any part of the tribulation. So he says... Uh, at these things I looked and behold this door was open in heaven and I heard this voice like I heard at the very beginning and it was like a trumpet and he said come up here I'll show you what must take place and then he says immediately immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne all of a sudden he's in the he's he's there he's there and so he's transported into heaven and so people always say what is heaven like well here's what does he see I saw a throne, a throne was standing in heaven. There was this throne there and one sitting on the throne. Wow, one sitting on the throne. The throne of God. Some say that's what it looked like. You can't really picture what God is like here. There's the seven spirits and there's the four beings, the four angels, and there's the 24 elders. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And that's myriads of angels and people and everything else. That's what it's going to be like. Here's another drawing that somebody's drawn that they, you know, they not show us what God looks like. There's the spirits, there's the, the four uh, angels, and there's the 24 elders, and there's all the people and all the, there's, there's all this stuff is there. He sees it all. And by the way, I want you to know something. John is not the first person to see this. Isaiah. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. What? 
I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe was filling the temple, and seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. So we already saw that. And with two, he covered his face with two, he covered his feet, and two, he flew around. See, Isaiah saw that, the throne of God. Isaiah had already seen it. So he gives us a description. Look what he says, verse 3. And he who was sitting on the, if you ever seen, what do you think God looked like? What do you think God the Father looked like? Now you understand God the Father doesn't have a body. He's a spirit being. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit being. He doesn't have a body. The only member of the Godhead who has a body is Jesus Christ. And that happened at a point in time in history. For all eternity, there was the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And at a point in time in history, Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and became a human being. He still got the body. So the Father doesn't have a body, and the Spirit doesn't have a body, but Jesus does have a body. But he sees something. He was, he saw, he, and he was sitting on the throne, or his sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And it was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. So he saw something, and he's describing God on the throne. He said it was a jasper. It was, like a, it was like a diamond. It was sort of like you could see through it, but at the same time, it was red. It was like a sardis uh, you know, thing, and it was blood red. It was, it was deep red. So when he saw God, it was like clear, like a diamond, but blood red. And then what you may understand is these two stones were the first and the last stones on the breastplate of the high priest. The high priest had a thing that he wore, and it had 12 stones. He was the first one. He was the last one. Those are the two things that it looks like right there. And then it says something amazing. It says there was a rainbow around the throne. And when you see a rainbow, you think of all the colors. But it says emerald in appearance. It was a greenish rainbow. Ezekiel saw the very same thing. He says, now above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne and a life in appearance. And I can't hardly read that thing slowly in the way. And on that which resembled a throne high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Ezekiel saw the same thing. And the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So the appearance was the surrounding radiance. And then look what he says. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, Ezekiel says, when I saw this, I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. He said, I, I, I couldn't even stand up when I saw it. Can you imagine being with John? Picture yourself right now. God is telling you what it looks like. John is taken up there and he sees a throne. And someone, something sitting on the throne, he, and it looks like like a stone almost. You can see through it, but you can't see through it. And there's an emerald rainbow all around. That's what it looks like. What's going to happen? Well, look, there's more. Around the throne were 24 thrones. Oh, wait a minute. So there's a throne and then 24 thrones. And upon the thrones, I saw 24 elders. That means older men look or older looking people. I saw 24 elders clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. 24 thrones, seats, places, 24 elders, white robes, and crowns. Who could they be? Who could they be? Well, some say, well, that's, that's the throne, and these are these, these 24 elders that are around the throne. Well, who could they be? Who do they represent? Who are they? Well, some people say this. Some people say, well, they represent the church. But you understand that the church 
is going to exist for a certain period of time. Jesus died on the cross the day of Pentecost. The church actually, as far as our ministry, will be gone when Jesus comes to get us. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. So who could it be? Some say, well, it's just the church. No, some people say, no, no, no. There were 24 orders of priests, so maybe that's who it is. But some also believe that it represents all believers, both Old Testament and New Testament. 12 for the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes, and 12 for the apostles, the apostles of the church. If you thought about this, God has two chosen groups of people, the nation of Israel and the body of Christ, the church. And I want you to notice something that later on we get to the holy city, the new Jerusalem, There are 12 gates, and it says each of the gates is for the 12 tribes. And then there are 12 foundations, and each of the foundations are for the 12 apostles of the church. So if you're guessing, you could say, I have no, you could say, I don't know who these 24 people are or who they represent, but some say they probably represent the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel is believing, and the 12 apostles, the the church, the body of Christ. And that could be who it is. Now, there's something I want you to think about. They're sitting on thrones which means they rule. We already know from the book of Revelation that not everybody gets to sit on the throne. Only those who overcome sit on a throne. So this could be a symbolic of faithful believers who have always served God, and they get to sit on the throne. That may be who it represents. Well, look what it says about them. It says, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the throne I saw 24 elders sitting there clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. So they're clothed in white garments, which normally, most of the time, white garments are symbolic of righteousness, the righteousness of God. Now, there are places where white garments are the the faithful works, or the, the righteous works of the saints. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14 says, I said to him, my Lord, you don't, who are those people? He said to me, and he saw this whole group of people. He said, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So some people say that these, these, all the, these 24 elders, and they're clothed in white garments, they're pictures of all believers of all time, whether Jews or the church or whatever, or whoever they are. And then he says something else. They got crowns. There are two words for crowns in the Bible, in the Greek. There's the word diadem, and there's the word stephanos. The word diadem means the crown of a ruler, where stephanos means a reward. This is the word stephanos. They have rewards. The crowns on their heads, so look at the verse again. It says they were clothed in white, and golden crowns were on their heads. Those are crowns of rewards. So apparently these are faithful believers who are being rewarded that are sitting on the throne. That's symbolic. That's symbolic. But look what's happening. Out, and let me look at time. Okay, out from the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. And these are the seven spirits of God. So while that's going on, there's this emerald rainbow and there's this, all these people. And, all, and there's lightning and thunder and power and everything going. And, and, and he sees seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. If you remember, at the very beginning, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, he reminds us that the seven spirits of God is the Holy Spirit, and it goes back to Isaiah where you get the sevenfold description of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes the Holy Spirit is pictured as seven lamps, and I think that's what we see here. And so he says, I see in front there is the, 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 the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you, we have seen the Father on the throne the Holy Spirit before the throne, where's the Son? Where's Jesus? 
mean, that's kind of who we want to see, isn't it? I mean, we're saying, where is he? And John is up there going, where is he? Where is he? Well, there's more. And before the throne was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Oh, my gracious. He sees this, this thing like, like a sea of glass. It was almost like there was water, but it was, it was completely still. And it was like they were on glass and like crystal. And in, a, a, in the center was the throne, and there was these four living creatures, these angels, seraphim, full of eyes in the front and behind. They got eyes everywhere. Four creatures. Four living creatures, and they're guarding the throne of God. They're full of eyes. Isaiah said in chapter 6, verse, they had six wings, and they, they were going holy, 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 and all of that. Uh, that's somebody's you know, idea of what it may have looked like, these four, these four angel-looking things. Now, I, 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 didn't, I wouldn't picture them with bodies like that, but I would picture them with faces like that. And we'll talk more in just a second. So there's these creatures that are around there, and he describes them. Verse 7, the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had the face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was a flying eagle. The, each, each one of these beings, Ezekiel saw the same thing. They had four faces, and he describes them as a lion, as a calf, as a man, as an eagle. What could this be? Could these angels, why do they look that way? Well, some have said all kinds of different things, but they say that these angels, in a sense, are a representation of who Jesus Christ is. If you remember in the Gospels, Matthew presents Jesus Christ as the king, as the lion. Mark presents him as the servant, the calf. Luke presents him as the man, the man, and God presents Jesus as God. That's the eagle aspect. And so some say they go back to kind of, kind of describing uh, Jesus Christ in a certain way these angels. And look at verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them had six wings. They're full of eyes around and within. And so we see this is exactly the same as Ezekiel saw. It's exactly the same as Isaiah saw. And one of these days, you will see these angels. You will see them. And look what he says. They were saying, day and night, they did not cease to say. What did they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Now, holy, holy, holy. In, in both Hebrew and Greek, if you want to emphasize something, you say it twice. Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you. But they're saying this three times. Holy, holy, holy. You know why? Because it's the Father. They're saying holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. Holy is the Holy Spirit. They ceased not day or night, over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the all-powerful one. And it describes him. He's eternal. He's eternal. Look at this. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm who is, who was, and who is to come. And then he calls himself the Almighty. That's back in chapter 1, verse 8. Same thing. He's eternal. Was, is, will be. Now watch what happens. And the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, him who lives forever and ever. And that's what they're doing. 
the worship of the angels and the elders. The angels give glory and honor and thanks to God. That's like the song we sang today. Glory because he's the sovereign ruler of all things. Honor because of his position as the king of kings and the lord of lords. And thanks because of all that he's done. The, the whole idea of salvation and, and, and this. When we think of worship, who he is and what he's done. Who is he? The sovereign almighty God. What has he done? He has provided salvation for mankind. That is the story of the Bible. How the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. That's how it fits. And this is what they're giving honor and glory to him. And notice that the elders join in, verse 10. And the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne. And they'll worship him who lives forever and ever. And they'll cast their crowns before the throne, saying. So the elders bow down before him and they cast their crowns. A lot of people say, so we give up our rewards. And I don't think that's what we're saying. I think they're rewarded. But I think that's they're symbolic of saying, the only reason we have these rewards is because of you. They cast their crowns. That's a picture of what somebody thought it might look like. And what did they say? Verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive what? Glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things. Because of you, your will, they existed and were created. What do they say? You're worthy of all praise, glory, honor, power. That's what they're saying. This would be a great passage to go to if one day you were sitting by yourself somewhere and you thought, how, do I, how would I show God that I worship him and I love him, that I go over here and say these things right here? You are worthy to receive all power and glory and honor. Why? Because you created everything. He is the creator. He, cre- he spoke and everything happened. And he spoke it and created it out of nothing. It goes back to the book of Genesis. In Hebrew, in the very first part of the Bible, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The Hebrew word is bara, which means to make out of nothing. And it's only used of God. It's never used of people. God is the only one that can create out of nothing. Wow. Well, we've seen the Father. We've seen the Holy Spirit. Where's Jesus? Maybe he's in chapter 5. So let's see. I saw the one in... In the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. He saw a scroll. It's actually when it says a book. In that day and time, a book, Biblos, meant a scroll because they didn't do like we do. And so he has this scroll that's rolled up, and you can see there's writing on the inside, and there's writing on the backside of it, and there's seven seals, which means they're complete seals, and these seals are sealed up that only the owner can break the seals. That's what it all means, that idea. So you see the Father on the throne, and in his hand is a scroll with seven seals on it. What's in the seals? What's in the scroll? Guess what? We're going to see. We're going to see exactly. Not today, but we're going to see. So look what happens. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? This is the key. Who's worthy? Who's worthy to open the book? Who has the authority to open the book? And notice verse 3 says, and no one, no one, in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Nobody. Nobody in heaven, whether believers or angels on the earth, believers on the earth or under the earth, people have already died. Nobody. Nobody is worthy to go take the scroll and open it up. What John says, think about it. He said, you know, you brought me all the way up to heaven to see all this. There's the scroll, but you're telling me nobody can open it? In verse 4, John began to weep. 
I began to weep greatly. Why? Because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, one of those 24 around the throne said, stop weeping. Behold, the line that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. The line, the elders, the, the line of the tribe of Judah. Who's from the tribe of Judah? Jesus Christ is. Who's from the root of David? Who is the descendant of King David? Jesus is. He is the son of God. He is that one. And notice what it says. He has overcome. You know how he overcame? He came to the earth, died on the cross for every one of us, paid for sin, rose again, conquered death, and seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He has overcome because he's fulfilled the will of the Father, which is to provide a way that every human being can have eternal life simply by faith. He is worthy. How is he worthy? How did he overcome? We'll see it next week as we continue. Let's worship our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Don't you wish that we now could do the songs all over again? And we could sing them, sing them in that same way. Who is he? The eternal son of God. What did he do? He's the creator and the redeemer. All creatures are to worship the creator, the 24 elders, the angels, and all believers. That's who he is. God alone deserves the worship. So think about it. I, an application you could do is go home and read this again, especially all the, the praise and the worship. Look, a girl named Sarah Stock wrote this. She said, let the song go round the earth, Jesus Christ is king. With the story of his worth, let the whole earth ring. Him creation all adore evermore and evermore. That's what we'll do. There's a sad part here. Let's understand that God will bring judgment on the world. He will. That's what's called, that's called the tribulation. Church will be raptured. We won't be a part of it. It'll be the final seven years for the nation of Israel to do their thing. And it prepares the world for the kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ, and for all eternity. Let's worship our God. Remember who he is, what he has done, and what he will do.